Everybody ready to have a good time tonight? Yes. <laughs> I am. I think I think so. Let's just take a quick moment. Let's lift up our hands and bow our heads. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your precious presence that's here. We thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts. We thank you for the work that you want to continually do. We thank you for new things coming online tonight. Oh, we just give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You know, it's very important that we keep in mind in the body of Christ. I might back up. I'm real bad at greetings. I'm Nathan. <laughs> I think I recognize almost everybody in here. Uh, but if you haven't ever met me before or been at these meetings, my name's Nathan live in Tulsa with my beautiful wife, Lori, and our two kids, Mila and Ellie. I have three wonderful girls in my life, and it's a blessing. Richard and Natalie are over there with us, and we started a church called Good Tree, and everything is moving forward in the will of God. So somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> it's a little synopsis there. So <laughs> it's, it's very important that we keep in mind in the body of Christ that there is someone that's going to plant. Everybody say plant. plant. And there's someone that waters. Everybody say waters. waters. But see, Paul is very clear. He says, who are we but nothing? But it is God. Everybody say God. God. That gives the increase. And, and we do not need to get caught up on personalities. On Listen, individual ministries are sent from God for the edification of the body of Christ. But there is no man that can bring change in your life. It is only the power of the Holy Spirit that brings growth and increase to you. And so it's very important that we rely heavily on Him. And we receive from individuals, whether I'm preaching, Richard's preaching, Pastor Roberta's preaching, or somebody you might feed from on your daily walk with Jesus. But you always got to go back and give the credit to one person. And that is the Holy Spirit. Because if it wasn't for Jesus coming and, and, and dying, death, burial, and resurrection, raised right hand of God, pouring out the promise of the Spirit, we'd have nothing. But because of everything that he's done, we all have access by one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. Oh, and that's precious Holy Spirit. And he wants to guide every single one of us in the truth. So I pray, I, I believe I'm going to stir up hearts today, but it's not me, it's him. So I want everybody's eyes on him, not me. Somebody say glory. glory. <laughs> so let's turn to Acts chapter 1. I feel like a, a, I got a strong direction here. I was going to preach something I thought, and right before the service, Holy Spirit changed it. So I like it when that happens. Hmm. Let's kick in in chapter 1, verse 8. I'm going to actually read my Bible tonight. Praise God. But it says, but ye, everybody say me. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up 
And the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And I want to camp on verse 11. (laughs) And they said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Oh, and if you want to see a picture of a huge majority of the church right now. We're standing and we're gazing. And we're waiting for Jesus to come and do something. But we've skipped over the few verses that happened right before that because there was something very important that happened right before that. That when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, everybody say me. When he comes upon you, it says you will receive power and you are supposed to be a living witness, meaning once you receive that power, you were supposed to testify of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, whom God raised from the dead. And that that was the commission on your life once you receive the promise of the spirit. But most of the church is walking around like they do not have dominion. And we're still gazing up into heaven waiting for something to happen. And we're missing the the, the basic principle that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you got dominion. Because you were given the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And if that Spirit dwells inside of you, you have every ounce of ammunition that you need to be a living witness of Christ right now. But most of us have been lured to sleep where we're still looking up to heaven and we're waiting for something. And I haven't figured out what yet that we're waiting for because we've missed the scriptures. And I promise you, any second that we get in a state where we just stop and we look up and we wait for something to come that's greater than we already have. God is scratching his head, wondering how we've missed it. Everybody say missed it. Because it's very clear, he said, once ye have received Holy Spirit, you will receive power and you will then be a witness. Listen to me, it was probably 50 days after the ascension of Jesus that those boys were in full blown revival. So you cannot give me a long process of growth there that's needed for us to mature before we can start living, being an active witness of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Otherwise, they had something different than what we have. Or we got the same thing and we have just failed to recognize it. Everybody say same spirit. spirit. See, if the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and I have news, Jesus did not raise himself from the dead. When he was on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is evident that he died. Can God die? No. Who backed out of the room when he said that? God. And who was left on the cross? Jesus, the man who was now destitute of God, who went and died spiritually and took every ounce of penalty of sin and death that we were supposed to face. And he went to hell. Listen, he went to hell. It's very important that we clear up. He went to hell and suffered. And in hell, it says in in one of the Psalms and prophecies that you will not leave my soul in hell. He was prophesying of Jesus Christ. 
And in hell, when it seems like all was lost and he had no power to be able to do anything, that is when the spirit of him, everybody say him, him being Holy Spirit that departed when he was on the cross that retreated and went back to being wherever he was that he was. That same spirit came down with a vengeance and grabbed Jesus and put life into him. Woo! And at that moment, the man, Jesus Christ, was filled with the spirit of God. But from this point, he had just conquered death, hell and the grave. And he he stepped. Listen, he stepped out of hell. And when he took a step on his foot and it hit planet Earth, all of hell, every single demon, every principality knew that man had dominion. And he knew it. And he was very clear. He said that you need to wait and tarry for I'm going to send the promise of the spirit unto you. Go tarry ye in Jerusalem in the upper room and wait, wait, wait. And at that moment he ascended and he gave them instructions because his whole death, burial and resurrection was so that he could ascend to the right hand of God to release. Everybody say release. Up until that point, Holy Spirit had not been released. According to Joel chapter 2, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. That was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. For all men. Everybody say all men. Amen. To receive power. Dominion. Might. Over every ounce of death. Hell, the grave, sin and death. Same spirit. Everybody say same spirit. See, if it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. See, this has to do with a walk above sin, which I'm not really talking about, but I'm going to scratch on. It is very clear that once you're born again, that you identify with his death, burial and resurrection. Meaning if you died with Christ the same way he died unto sin one time. Everybody lift up your hand, point at me and go once. You see, he died unto sin one time, meaning one death, boom, sin lost dominion. And from that moment, he eternally offered himself totally to God, never sinning one time. And the scripture is very clear that if you have been died with him, right? You've been buried with him in baptism through death. You were also raised. Everybody say raised. raised. But listen, it wasn't Jesus that raised you. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in you. Who is that? If that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gave you the ability and dominion to die and to sin once, what have you been given? Death, hell and the grave, sin and death. Oh, everybody say sin and death. You see, this is where most Christians are at. In their daily walk, when it comes to temptation, they're staring up into heaven. And they're waiting for God to come and liberate them and set them free. And I promise you, those same angels that talked to them then when Jesus ascended, if they could, would shout to you, why are you looking up into heaven? Who shall ascend to come and bring him down again? Or who shall descend to bring him back up? The word of faith is nigh you. It's in your heart and in your mouth. That if you've confessed that Jesus Christ, listen, somebody say glory. Oh, we're cooking. That if you've confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and has been raised from the dead, Christ indwells your heart by faith. He has already come and made his descension inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And sin has totally lost dominion. And in the death that he died unto sin once, you are supposed to reckon yourself. Everybody say reckon. You conclude with your mind and you believe 100% that sin has totally lost dominion over you.
So when you're walking against temptation, you don't stop and look up to God and say, can you please help me? Because he's given you dominion. And if he's given you dominion, you are never supposed to look up like he needs to give you something else that doesn't already exist inside of you. But if you knew it, if you knew it, if you really knew it, that you were raised with him, you would look at temptation like a little, little tiny dog that can't have no bite over you. You could get it to just run because it has no dominion to stop you. So when you feel tempted, it's when you're supposed to conclude the same spirit. Everybody say same spirit. If that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, how could you not have the power to not sin? Did I say that right? Most of us are still funneling our whole life through the old man. Because we don't realize the old man has been destroyed. And listen to me, the old man was every ounce of sin that you could have commit. Any immoral thought, anything that had its roots in the flesh, anything that would cause you to have to sin, the old man was utterly crucified. Like, I don't think we realize sin has lost full dominion. Meaning when you sin, the only reason you do is because you have failed to recognize the same spirit. Everybody say same spirit. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it says he will quicken. He will give life to this mortal body, which has been declared dead. But through the quickening life of Holy Spirit, it begins to have the resurrection life in it to stop all sin from ruling and reigning. If the church would stop looking up and start realizing that they've been endued with power and dominion. We would start to hit sin dead on in the face and we would start to put it under our feet. Because every ounce of immorality that you have walked in, listen to me very closely. If you have been struggling with sin, you're fighting a corpse that has no power. The goal of Christianity is not to struggle with sin your whole life. The goal of Christianity, once when it comes to sin, was supposed to you take your mind and look down at your feet. Everybody look at your feet. <laughs> you can look back up at me. <laughs> and you know who's under your feet? The old man. And the devil. The old man's been crucified. Meaning when you died with Christ, take a problem. What problem? Any problem. Lust, greed, jealousy, unforgiveness, any type of sinful habit, anything. Everybody say anything. I don't care if it's emotional. I don't care if it's physical. I don't care if it's a thought process. If it's rooted in the flesh and it has to do with sin, it lost dominion over you. And when you got born again, it is very clear that you went down into the grave. And underneath your feet should be a pile of dirt. It's a, it's, it's a gravestone, really, and you're standing upon it. And underneath that pile of dirt is every ounce of failure that you ever committed. And it's under your feet. It's not in front of you waiting to be overcome. Listen to me very closely. Sin is not something you overcome in your future. Sin is something that you died to once that you're supposed to seize under your feet and you have dominion. Then you reckon yourself dead indeed into sin and you never do it again. Anybody listening to me? Which means if you can conclude that thing that you've been fighting is underneath your feet and you have dominion over it, you're going to stop boxing with it. 
Because when you're boxing with a corpse, you're hitting something that's dead, you're never going to win that fight. Christians think mortifying the deeds of the body is looking at your future and saying, oh God, I got to overcome lying. So I'm going to get this little lying problem I have and start to hit it in the face. Oh, and you listen, you're going to spend your whole life hitting that thing and it's just going to sit there and take it and it's dead. It's not the problem. The problem is you have failed to recognize that the same spirit, everybody say same spirit. See, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And he's constantly wanting to quicken your mortal body to where you don't sin anymore. Because you've been given dominion. We take our shovels and we start to dig because we identify with our problems. And the more we take all of our issues and problems and identify with them, we're digging right from underneath our feet. We dig a big old hole. You don't know me. You don't know how weak I am. You don't know how I've always struggled with this. It's such a part of my identity. It's just what I, I, I fight with it. I think about it. And then you start to take that old man and you're picking him back up and you're standing him up and you're reviving him through your own words, through your own thoughts and through your own mentality of false doctrine that is plaguing you. <laughs> Somebody say Glory. Oh, but if we would reckon ourselves dead indeed into sin, we would realize that that thing is in the dirt. We're standing above it. And every single time we're tempted, it's a parlor trick of the devil to, to send some type of emotion, a euphoria over your life where you have a thought, a feeling. And he tries to get you to bite the bait. See, Satan is the master of a smoke screen. He creates an atmosphere that makes you feel weak so you believe about yourself that you have a problem. But if you still have a problem with sin, the Bible's lying. It's not dead. But if you still have a problem with sin, it's because you failed to recognize that it is dead and the Bible didn't lie. And if you were raised with him, you've been given dominion. So why don't you stop sinning? Because you don't have to anymore. He's the master of deception. Oh, he'll, he'll lie to you. See, it's a part of you. You got this deep, dark, ugly secret. And as long as you believe that you have some deep, dark, ugly secret that has not been mortified yet, mortification is just enforcing, reckoning yourself dead to sin, being alive unto God and obeying the gospel. But not sinning. You present your body. Everybody say body. body. This thing right here, this body, my body. Everybody hit your arm, my body. You present it a slave to holiness. A slave does not have a choice. The day that the church realizes that the, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit in the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's the day that you actually are going to believe you should be incapable of sinning. This Holy Spirit in you is not trying to sin. You know, a slave doesn't have a choice, right? Why would he use that verbiage? Why would he use that term? You made your choice when you died unto it. That was your choice. You chose Jesus. Now you constantly walk in dominion your whole Christian walk. Is anybody tracking with me? Oh, but we've received power, not just over sin. Listen to me. Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can bear witness of Christ. The goal of the church, listen to me very closely, we are not supposed to hold up in these walls our whole lives and preach to each other while we feel better about ourselves. 
If we think this gospel is about us maintaining these pews our whole lives while we look at the world and say, my God, it's getting darker. Jesus is coming back soon. We do not read our Bibles. The goal of the church is to be a living witness of the resurrection of Christ, meaning everywhere that you go, you should be testifying of Jesus through your actions, through your will, through how you act, how you walk, how you talk. And when you come in contact with people, you should not be afraid to preach the gospel to them. We let liberal media and demonic agendas preach to us all the time. Why are we afraid to stand up for truth? You're going to make a lot of people mad when you start representing Jesus. That's okay. Let him get mad. Because he's the king of kings and somebody's got to do it. Amen? Amen? But we've been endued with power from on high. Meaning Holy Spirit is waiting for us to let him out the box. And this works for anybody. It doesn't matter how old you are. How young you are. Age has no limit on this, that it is all about having precious Holy Spirit. And he wants you to testify that God raised Jesus from the dead. And he wants to bless people and touch them, heal them, deliver them. He wants the gospel to be proclaimed everywhere that we go. Now, not everybody's the preacher that's going to stand up behind a pulpit. But every single Christian has been called to bear witness of the resurrection. Which means the way that you would do it with Holy Spirit flowing through you. But a lot of Christians don't even realize that they have precious Holy Spirit. They're walking around waiting for him to, I don't know, possess him. We wait to feel something. How many of you are baptized in the Holy Spirit? Wave your, wave your hand at me. You were given dominion. You were given might. I remember when I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit early on. I was about 19. I didn't know nothing. Everybody say nothing. <laughs> I didn't spend a lot of time in my word. I, I was just starting to get hungry for God and pursue him. And I really didn't know a whole lot. But I had known this when the Holy Spirit came inside of me and he indwelt my heart by faith, man. I felt that my life had changed and I knew that there was a power source there. And I started to spend time with him. I started to talk to him. He doesn't want us to ignore him. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to ignore him like he's not there. And I remember I was at a prayer meeting that we had at our house because we were getting all of our friends together and everybody was seeking Jesus. The power of God was breaking out. We we're all getting blasted. Everybody's weeping. You know, it's one of those wild prayer meetings. Anybody ever been a part of one of those? <laughs> I think we should see more of those in the church. Amen. And I remember I was just praying, doing my thing. And there was this girl that was there. And, and she was like sitting right across the room from me. And I could just hear really clearly that the Lord wanted me to go up to her and tell her that her life meant something to God because she was fighting with depression and she was thinking about killing herself. And I'm naive. Everybody say naive. I don't know anything. Everybody say nothing. See, I didn't have experience. I hadn't really grown. I wasn't very mature, but I had felt the unction of the Holy Spirit talking to me. And it seemed very natural. Didn't seem very spiritual. It's like I heard the voice, but I didn't hear the voice. I just knew it was there. Sometimes you look at someone and you just know something. Anybody ever have that happen? Anybody ever know something and then do nothing with it? <laughs> Hallelujah for honesty. <laughs> I've done that too. But see, this time, as an ignorant, naive, very immature Christian, I decided I'm going to do something about this. 
I remember walking up to her and just real chill, just like, Holy Spirit wants me to tell you that your life means something to him. And I mean, as soon as I said that, I felt this wave of power just go. It's like I could tangibly see it. And it just hit her. And she just buckles under and falls over and starts weeping for the next hour. Just crying on the floor. And I'm sitting there like, cool. (laughs) But I had to act. Everybody say act. I had to act on the unction. I had to listen. Everybody say listen. Listen. See, if you're going to be a living witness for the very precious Jesus that has been raised from the dead, you're going to have to listen to the Holy Spirit. You have to recognize that he's there and you got to learn to flow with him. Because listen to me really clearly, you're not steering the ship. He is. He does not follow you. You were supposed to follow him. But you're really supposed to get so interchanged where you're following him so much to where you've retaken your steps. You're in sync like you're just walking in the will of God everywhere that you go because you know him. But see, I was naive. Everybody say naive. Naive. I was ignorant. Everybody say ignorant. (laughs) You see, we, we, we make this thing way more complicated than it is. Like you have to know vast knowledge or you have to been walking with God for a long time. No, listen to me. The very moment you received Holy Spirit is when you received dominion. And there was no doctrine that existed that said that you have to do X, Y, Z before he wants to flow from you. You were supposed to bear witness of the resurrection as soon as you received power. But we've been struggling with this thing for so long because most of the church can't even see themselves free from sin. So we're still trying to tackle the sin issue and we can't even get on to move on with what Holy Spirit wants to do. Like, let's get on with it. Let's reckon ourselves dead to sin. Let's put lust away. Let's take care of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, because we can Most Christians want to walk in holiness. We've just been tricked. We've been duped. We believe that we we can't. That's the biggest lie you can ever believe is that you can't. The very second you believe your true identity that says you were sometimes darkness, but presently right now, no matter what you did last week, as long as you've repented, you're light in the Lord. So start to walk as a child of light. And if you're walking in the light, you're not. Walking in darkness. But you have Holy Spirit the same way I have Holy Spirit. And he wants to flow. He wants us to take dominion over our homes. He wants us to take dominion over our children. He wants us to loose him in people's lives. You know that we are the body of Christ and we are supposed to make known the manifold wisdom unto the principalities and powers because that's the church's job. According to Ephesians. But for some reason, we're still waiting. Why are we waiting? Are we waiting for a more glorious day to come? Like when is evangelism ever going to come back online in church? Like when are we actually going to go out and Love on the lost. (laughs) Because if we expect them to just come pouring into the building, we've already missed the whole thing. We can get them into the building. That's okay. Once they're saved and disciple them. But you have a sphere of influence everywhere that you go. The people that you're around. And Holy Spirit's in you and he wants to touch, especially the lost. Listen to me. He'll talk to you really quickly about lost people. 
He'll give you words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the gifts of the Spirit. He wants them to flow. He's not locking it up, trying to make sure that they're not, you know, not today. No, listen, Holy Spirit wants these things to flow. He just needs active and obedient hearts that will listen to Him. And you got to believe, you got to believe that when you received Holy Spirit, you received the very same power. Anything that I ever do in my life is never about me. It was always about the power He gave me. I am no different than you. And if it was Holy Spirit through me, it's Holy Spirit through you. Don't compare yourself to me like I'm better than you. We got the same thing. And I believe if a Christian gets this soon enough, as soon as they're born again, they can raise the dead. They could cast out devils. They can lay their hands on the sick and they will. Everybody say will. will. They will recover. Because you believe you have the power source to be able to do it. It's not you. It's not by your might or power or holiness. It is by faith in the precious name of Jesus. But you have to understand faith in the name of Jesus is what gave you access to the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And that's what dwells inside of your heart by faith. Let him quicken you. I remember I was walking in daily life. Everybody say daily life. See, we're just doing life. When we're doing life, we're supposed to be walking with Jesus. Like we get so spiritual about this thing. Like if we're not in our prayer closet, we're not walking with Jesus. That's a heresy. It's very clear that when he comes to reside in you, he never leaves you. So everywhere that you go, you carry him. Which means he wants to be active on your job, in school, wherever that you're at, when you're at home with your family. You're supposed to let Christ be Lord in your home. Not just at church when you come and pretty up and sing the songs that we sing. And then you go home and you yell at your spouse. That's not supposed to be happening. The peace of God is supposed to be ruling and reigning 24-7, keeping your emotions in check to be totally possessed by Jesus. That's not a fairy tale. Intimacy is so much bigger than your prayer closet. It includes your prayer closet, but it's you, your whole person, being subjected to Holy Spirit 24-7. Everybody say 24-7. When I remember, I was, I, this, I was taking my little daughter to a park. And, you know, usually I've found when it comes to our own homes, we have the hardest time believing we have dominion. I don't understand that. But when we're dealing with someone out there, we could believe it a little bit easier sometimes. But if it's our spouse or our kids, we pray and nothing happens. And that's not okay. Amen? Because Holy Spirit doesn't change. Who created the doctrine? Well, they're too close. They know. Chunk all that stupid stuff that you've heard. Holy Spirit's still the same and wants to work the same. Whether it's within your family or within lost people or anywhere that you're at. Amen? I do not believe in first world and third world anointings. God is God and people are people and he wants to work his will everywhere you go. Bigger devil, what? Bigger devil controls the power of God. Where is that in scripture? I can't find it in my Bible. So who taught us that? Maybe they were a little misguided. Why don't we rethink what we believe? So then we believe because we're in America, God can't flow. Why? Because there's a bigger devil. So the devil has more power than God. What gospel do you believe? Because it's very clear that every single knee and name will bow to the name of Jesus Christ. Whether you're in Mexico or Ethiopia or you're right here in Marshalltown. 
Jesus is king. Do you believe it? Which means every devil in hell has to subject its will to him. He never has more power than God. We give it to him. And when we believe the lie that he does, we cut ourselves short. And I'm so sick of that gospel. We need to see Jesus flowing like water. Amen. <laughs> and so I took my daughter to the park and, and we are just living life. Like sometimes you're just living life and stuff happens. Anybody ever have stuff happen to them? We we like to go down the rabbit trail of why do bad things happen? I must have had a misstep. This and this and this. No, we're living in a fallen world and the devil's always trying to find a way in. If we know our dominion and authority, it says in Ephesians that you can quench. Everybody say quench. Listen, we are supposed to quench every single fiery dart. Why is it in church world that all we've seen is fiery darts coming in and piercing us and us learning how to do damage control? That tells me we have not understood our dominion and authority. Somebody say glory. And I'm going to be the first to say I haven't understood it fully in the past, but I'm getting better today. I'm going to make sure I exercise it. Because Christ indwells my heart by faith. Am I preaching just okay? Yeah. So we're living life. I took my daughter to the park. And I, I just wanted to take her on the biggest slide that they had. You know, because I'm a little bit daring. And she was about two at the time. <laughs> and she probably shouldn't have been on the biggest slide. But I'm a good dad that's a little daring. So, yeah. <laughs> and I remember taking her on it. We're having a good time. Everybody say good time. See, the devil don't care if you're having a good time. He wants to come in and just wreak havoc everywhere he goes. I remember we climb up, we're smiling, we're happy, we're getting ready to go down that slide. And she asked me to ride it with her because, you know, daddy and daughter moments, those things are priceless. (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting on the slide with you. Let's do this. I don't care if it hurts my back a little bit. You know, no, it doesn't. I have dominion. Somebody say glory. So we get down to that slide. We're going down it as fast as it's going around in circles. And as soon as we pass that first corner, I see Mila's leg hit the side of that slide and it bends back as far as it could go the opposite way. And I swear it broke, dislocated something. And my heart just melted. Everybody say melted. And she starts bawling immediately. I'm going to make some of you uncomfortable and that's okay. Listen to me very closely. You have dominion in your home. You can have dominion over your kids. If they're living in your home, the devil has no right to come in and tear things apart. The only right that he has is the right that Christians give him because they don't know who they are. And if you think that's condemning, it's not. It should uplift you to realize you could start to take dominion. She starts crying immediately. We get to the bottom of that slide and she's bawling. My heart's sinking and I feel like the worst dad on planet Earth at that moment. My brain starts to run down the trail of why did this happen? Must have been a misstep. I must be in disobedience. All the normal trails that Christians run because they're just freaking out and letting pressure get to them. And I remember I get to the bottom and I'm thinking, oh, I've done it this time. Her legs probably broke. It's dislocated. Something's wrong. And I remember she's bawling and I stand her up and I'm the, I let her go and she just collapses on the floor. She can't even stand. Her knee is just shot. She's bawling. I'm sitting there like, oh, God, what have I done? Mommy's going to give it to me. You know? <laughs> Daddy's going to get it. You know, my heart's sinking and fear is trying to grip me. Everybody say fear. Fear. 
And fear is demonic. Fear is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you have to fight fear like a rattlesnake. Because if you let it play out in your brain, it'll back up and take root in your heart. And it will control your life. And it is the gospel of the devil and it can grow just like faith. And my mind started to get fearful and I started to panic and everything was trying to grip me emotionally. I felt like I failed. You, you did it this time. And everything in me was saying, you need to go straight to the hospital. Take her to the ER. She needs to get fixed. Oh, but I ran into a big problem. Everybody say problem. I know the Holy Ghost. And the reason I know him is because I've dedicated a lot of time every day of my life. To get intimately acquainted with him. And you cannot do that unless you have an active prayer life. If you do not have an active prayer life. You do not understand that he's dwelling in you. Because you're not even spending time with him. The world will possess your soul. And you will be so caught up with everything else that's happening. But if you have an active prayer life. Listen to me very closely. You will start to get possessed with this knowledge. That Holy Spirit's in you, whether you're in your prayer closet or not. Holy Spirit is in you, whether you are in your prayer closet or not. He was in you before you went in. He was in you when you left. And your prayer closet did not determine him being there. But what your prayer closet helps you do is realize that he's always there. Because you become sensitive to him. And see, I've spent a lot of time with him. So when fear and panic was trying to grip my soul, I felt that unction from within. The unction of faith. The unction that says, boy, you have dominion. You have authority. You've been endued with power and that power should work. It does not have no bias about it. No matter who you're around, you have the precious Holy Spirit and he wants to intervene and bring change if you believe that he can do it. And so when I was about to go the road of panic and natural wisdom, which most the church lives by and we don't see the results of the Bible and then we wonder why. I promise you, God wants to take the wisdom of this world and flip it upside down. Because he doesn't want anyone else getting the credit for the power and glory that he works. Because when it's the power of God, no man, person, doctor, or any type of natural means can take credit. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not against doctors. But the church needs to know who's inside of them. Because the great physician dwells with them everywhere they go. And so when fear tried to grip me, I made a decision to exercise my dominion. And in a split second, I decided we're going to stand in faith and I'm going to pray. Everybody say pray. pray. So we're in the middle of the park. It's chaos. There's kids trying to come down the slide. I'm standing there, you know, Mila's bawling. I'm holding her up because she can't stand. And I'm sure all these parents are looking at me. And I decide, everybody say I. See, I decide to tap into what's working inside of me and put my hand on her knee and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that her knee goes back into place right now. And I prayed and I stood her up and she collapsed again. 
And every ounce of fear started to try to bring me down. And I said, no. I, everybody say I. See, I made a decision to stand. And sometimes when you decide to stand, things don't automatically go like this. But that does not mean Holy Spirit's not working. You do not control the power how it flows. You stand in faith and you let him move. And you trust that he is. And you don't back out. Because faith works in your heart when you make that stand. And so I tried to pick her up again. It's probably the third time. She's collapsing. She's still bawling. So I'm like, okay, I got to get her home. I've, I've made my stand. I'm not taking her to the ER. Now listen to me very carefully. <laughs> if you do not have confidence that you're walking with God, don't even attempt to make that stand. you can have confidence that you are walking with God. Amen? Because He's in you and He wants you to walk with Him. And we can walk with Him. But we got to let our minds be renewed to flow by a different power source. It's not natural wisdom. It's precious Holy Spirit. And when you received Him, you received Power. Everybody say power. (laughs) So I pick her up and I'm heading to our car. She's still bawling. Listen to me. She's crying. My mind is still telling me you have failed. But my heart's telling me that Jesus is alive. So I put her in her car seat and I start her car. And this is what I do. I say, Mila, lift up your hands. And she's two years old. She's listening to me. She'll do what I tell her. I'm her dad. Like (laughs) She knows daddy's voice. So she's bawling, and I say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to drive home to mommy, and the whole way home, say, Jesus, Jesus, crying, barely could say Jesus. She could barely talk, you know. Thank you, I am healed. And I led her in this prayer the whole drive back for like 15 minutes. She's bawling, and I'm starting to cry, and I'm just saying, Jesus, thank you that I'm healed, and she's repeating it after me. See, I'm choosing to go against the grain And to go against the grain, you have to fight fear and every natural emotion and natural wisdom that tries to grip you and bring you down to go the way that we have always gone that gives us the same results that always let our hearts down. Am I preaching just okay? Whole ride back, she's praying with me, she's doing this. And we get home, I get her off the car, I try to stand her up again, she still can't stand. She collapses, she's bawling, her knee's not working. So, okay, I take her in the house. I put her in my on our bed and my wife's in the shower and I'm thinking, oh, mommy's going to give it to me. You know, She gets out of that shower, daddy's going to get it. <laughs> she gets out of that shower. She looked in my eyes and I could tell. She looked at Mila, she saw me and it is very important that a husband and wife are in agreement. A house divided cannot stand. Listen to me, a house divided cannot stand. You lock arms together. In faith, she looked in my eyes and she knew and I looked at her and I said, I'm not taking her to the hospital. And she said, I know. And so at that moment, I was like, I need to escape this situation for a second because I'm freaking out. (laughs) And so I had to go run an errand and I decided to just check out. I took my stand and I'm believing it's going to work. So I left. I had to go fill up a water jug. Took me about 15, 20 minutes. 15 minutes there, 15 minutes back. 
the whole ride there, I'm lifting up my hands and I'm thanking Jesus that my daughter is healed. The whole ride back, I'm lifting up my hands, thanking Jesus that my daughter is healed. I refuse to give in to fear. I refuse to believe that the devil could come in and just do whatever he wants. I choose to believe that when I receive the Holy Spirit, I got power. The same way you could choose to believe it. I can't believe it for you. I'm not in your everyday life walking with you. I'm not in your home. I can't. (laughs) Amen. And I remember the clear and my little daughter remembers this as clear as day. I got off my car. I'm heading down the hall. And as soon as I turn the corner to walk in the room, I see her jumping off the bed. She lands on the ground and starts to jump up and down. And she says, Daddy, my knee doesn't hurt anymore. And I said, do you know why? She said, yeah, Jesus healed me. And I promise you, she hasn't forgotten that. We'll be eating breakfast and she'll be like, Daddy, you remember when I hurt my knee and Jesus healed me? Yeah, I do. I do. She's being raised, seeing a living witness. Everybody say witness. You bear witness of the resurrection in every second of your day. You have Holy Spirit. Like we're letting things happen all around us and we're not stepping in and getting involved. And when we do, it's a little sheepish sometimes where we're like, I don't think he's going to do anything. No, you have to be convinced he's in you. You have to know that he's given you power. You have to start to fellowship. Like you need to start talking to him every day. He's there. You have dominion over your house. You have dominion over your garden, the type and shadow. As soon as Adam was created, give him dominion over the garden. Reflection of when Jesus would step foot on the earth. What did he have dominion over? Everything. And then he was raised and he went up to be seated at the right hand of God. And he poured out the promise of the Holy Spirit and he gave it unto us. Guess who has that same dominion now? But you got to exercise it. You know, all of us get checks. Everybody say checks. You get these flags in your heart when you're passing people in public. You're at the gas station putting gas and you see someone. You just know that they need something and you have a hundred bucks in your pocket. (laughs) Not today, Lord. (laughs) And we want revival. We're never going to see it until we start listening. You want to shake the earth? You've got to start being obedient. <laughs> Be pumping gas at a gas station. We were on our way up here. I was walking out of the bathroom. Me and Jared drove up here. And, and we believe a little radically. And as soon as I walked out of the, the gas station, he was sitting there praying for this dude that had a cane. I was like, oh, it's on. <laughs> so we start praying for this dude and preaching to him, Jesus, we're crossing people every day of our lives and we're doing nothing about it. This is not a guilt trip. Listen to me. Why are we so insensitive to everyone that's around us? What are we waiting for? Like, why do we pass sick people and don't pray for them? Well, nothing's going to happen. The Bible said, lay your hand on the sick and they will recover. Is that not a command of Jesus? If he told us to do it, wouldn't it work? Most of the time we're not acting on it, so we don't see it work. And we... Start to disobey the very unctions that we feel when he's trying to guide us. And then we claim about how we believe in faith and <laughs> we preach good sermons on it. 
And then when we hit the everyday life and we're around people, we don't do anything with it. Is that okay? I don't know about you, but I can't just play church my whole life. Come to service and live my life. Come to service and live my life. Pacify myself that me and my family are okay. We're going to make it. That was never the goal of the gospel. Once you made it, it was that you would go seek and save that which is lost. If you're in, listen, someone else isn't. <laughs> like, we're desensitized to healthy evangelism by just letting our light so shine so that men could see it. We've been trained to put a bushel over our candle, cover it up, and say, no, I have my own problems to deal with. Somebody say Glory. <laughs> Well, I've found the more you step out in faith, the more Jesus moves. Like the more that you see people in need and you step up to meet that need, the more Jesus moves. Like the more you see sick people and lay your hands on them, be healed in Jesus name, the more they get healed. But I found when the church doesn't pray for the sick, no one gets healed. (laughs) So deep. And I'm not telling anybody, listen, you don't have to go out of your way to meet people. You don't have to take time out of your schedule to evangelize. You're crossing paths with people every day of your life. Unless you're just staying at home and watching TV. I don't recommend doing that. (laughs) Get out and let the sunshine hit your face. (laughs) I remember I was at this park. My wife had to go to a baby shower. Am I okay? Are we doing all right tonight? And she had to go to this baby shower and I just dropped her off and I said, I'm just going to cruise around and check out this park. And, and I remember just, you know, driving around. I'll wait a few hours. When you're done, text me. I'll come back and pick you up. You know, I'm just living life. Nothing to it. There's nothing spiritual about it. I'm just living life. And I remember I pulled up to this spot where this this rock is and it's overlooking the city and it's like a really beautiful scene of Tulsa. And I was thinking, man, I want to get up on that rock and check it out and shoot some pictures, you know. But the problem was there was this like gangster looking dude that was standing on that rock. And he had a 24 ounce of Budweiser in his hand. He was just sitting there just getting trashed, you know. <laughs> and, and I was sitting there and I was like, I'm going to wait for him for like 10 minutes. I'm give him 10 minutes, you know, and then he better move off that rock because I want to get up on it, you know. <laughs> Get out of my space, bro. <laughs> oh, man, everybody just go like this. Come on, don't get too tense. Let's loosen up a bit. <laughs> and he didn't move. He's just taking his time sipping that beer. And so I was like, forget it. You know, I'm not going to let this dude just. <laughs> so I decided to get off my car. And I mean, I went and stood right next to him. And I mean, there's like a little two foot radius to where I'm like encroaching in his space. <laughs> And as soon as I walked up there, I could tell it got really uncomfortable. And he's holding his beer and he's looking at me like, what are you doing? (laughs) I wasn't going to say that. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there and I felt the unction. Everybody say unction. And I knew this man needs to hear about Jesus. And I just started to ask him questions. Hey, man, what's your name? You know, he starts talking to me, telling me his name. 
super reserved at first, you know, we shoot the breeze for like five minutes and then it stops and it gets silent and he just looks at me and then he says, I have no idea what I'm about to tell you what I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to. And I was like, oh, it's getting real now. (laughs) And he looks at me and he said, somebody raped my daughter last month and I know who did it and they got away with it. And he said, I have a nine millimeter in my trunk and I'm going to finish the spear and I'm going to that dude's house and I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Everybody say that man needs Jesus. And what do you what do you say to someone in that moment, you know? I have no idea what he feels. I've never been through that. But I know that Jesus has the power to change situations and Holy Spirit's in me. So I just look at him and I start preaching. Sharing my testimony, how God saved me from cocaine, got born again. And I mean, I could see the dude's face start to soften. Just sharing the love of Jesus with him. He looked at me and said, what do you think I should do? (laughs) I grabbed his hand and I said, let's pray. (laughs) And I prayed the most fiery prayer that I could. Holy Spirit, touch his life, touch his heart. I mean, it got real. Tears were shed. Dude gave me a hug afterwards and I checked out and I left. (laughs) And I never saw him again. But I watched the news articles for a month after that really close and I didn't hear of anybody getting shot and I would have recognized the dude's picture. I promise you that man's destiny was altered because I decided to step out of myself and just talk to him. And listen to me, it is not our job. Listen very closely. It is not your job to get people saved. It is your job to sow seed. And if it leads to salvation and God happens to use you to lead them to Jesus, praise God. But if you never scatter seed, like if you just look at someone like I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. No, you're scattering seeds of Jesus and you're constantly sowing the love of God everywhere that you go. And if so happened that it's the moment that they decide I'm going to let Jesus in, praise God. But that is not up to you to decide. That's up to them. What's up for to you to do is to constantly sow seeds. And so this burden that we put on our backs of why we don't evangelize is because we're afraid no one's going to respond. It's not about getting them to respond. It's about sowing, sowing. Somebody's going to plant. Somebody's going to water. The seeds got to get sown. If you never sow a seed, there's never going to be a harvest. God might get you to just share one simple word with them. Jesus loves you and it plants a seed and it starts to grow. And the next thing you know, he's sending someone else. And you're working with a big old team. Trust me, there's more people out there that you can't see. It's not just you. You are not responsible of getting the results. You are responsible to be obedient, to be a witness. And if all the church was being a living witness everywhere that we go, I promise you, we would be seeing people getting saved in droves. It might not happen on your timeline, but it would sure enough happen eventually. You got to be unafraid to step out and sow a seed. And quit thinking so mystical about it, like, oh, they're going to hit the floor and shake. (laughs) Nothing might happen when you pray for someone. And if you think nothing happened, you don't know Jesus yet. Because when a Christian prays that knows the Holy Spirit, something always happens. Just might not happen the way that you thought it would. 
But we got to get past all that childishness and just stop thinking about ourselves. It's not about you having a testimony to share. It's about the person. You sow the seeds everywhere that you go. I promise you there's going to be fruit that comes. And you've been given power. You've been given dominion. Like you've been like, you you know, this church could fill up. (laughs) You got a few more seats here. Somebody say glory. (laughs) Who's going out rubbing shoulders with people in public? Everybody in here. Churches around the, the U.S., they're not growing very quickly. Because we are trying to get more Christians in the building. And God's not really interested in getting more Christians in the building. He wants the lost to come. That was what it was always about. You get them saved, born again, and discipled, and they're supposed to be sent out. Like, And then you keep it turning over. And the church is supposed to be impacting the community where there's a dent happening in Marshalltown. My God, Jesus is doing something there. People are getting saved. Like That'll never happen if you never do your part. I don't live here. I'm blowing in and blown out. (laughs) And I'm hoping that I could stir your heart to do something. Pastor Roberta can't do it all by herself. What's the purpose of her discipling you guys? Why did Richard and Natalie and and Pastor Roberta sow seed for 10, 15 years? Pastor Dick. Constantly. This isn't all you sow seeds, you sow seeds, but eventually the people have to respond and do the work, right? All of us together. But we've created church culture to just be this thing we do where we come and we leave and we live our lives and everything keeps spinning and people aren't getting saved. And then we ask God for an outpouring and a revival and hope that one day the fire's gonna fall. And all we're doing is looking up to heaven saying, when is he coming back? And those same angels would look at you and say, why are you looking at the clouds? The same way that he went up, he's coming back again. But he already came and gave you dominion. And if he already came and gave you dominion, quit looking up and waiting for him to do something. Do something with what you have. Because then you'll start to see the gears start to turn. And people will start to be affected. Oh, am I being too mean? Somebody say glory. (laughs) I'm so sick of the church praying for revival. If the church understood they had dominion, we would be walking in it every day of our life. And we wouldn't be waiting for a great outpouring. We would be the outpouring everywhere that we go. But you can pawn it off to a greater day that's coming. And I promise you, we're all just going to get older and we're never going to see it. But if you start to act on what you have, you start to grow really quickly and you start to get more. You start to step out and flow in the gifts of the spirit. They start to flow more fluently. But if you never step out and act on them, you'll never see them work. Amen. Amen. I don't want to step on your toes too hard. I just want you all to be encouraged. Stir up what's in you because it's in you. The same way I get up here and preach under unction, it's no different than you flowing in Holy Spirit the way he would flow through you. It's the same spirit that's working in all of us. And he's given different administrations, different gifts, gifts of the spirit, different callings, different unctions. But it's the same spirit that's working in all of us. And he wants us to all work together as a body to where we're moving this thing so fervently as a huge machine that's just tearing it up together. 
And if everybody was doing their part, the world would be affected. Amen? Amen. Well, I promise you, the more people that you decide to pray for and lay your hands on that are sick, the more you're going to see them healed. The more people that you see that have need and you have money in your wallet, how can you say, my brother, be warmed and filled, but you don't give them the things that they need? How dwelleth the love of God in you? Because it's an action that you prove it to the world. It's not just about miracles. Amen? Miracles are important. But it's about making sure that we're showing love constantly because that's who we are. We kind of got a rule at Good Tree where if we see anybody asking for money, anyone, or if God speaks to our heart, it does not matter the size of the bill that's in our wallet. It's an automatic yes. Unless you hear a no. But I'm not waiting to hear the yes anymore. Because God already told me to go. He already told me to be a blessing. He already told me to give. He already told me to make sure that I'm showing the love of God. Great commission, preaching, 101. Like, I'm going to be a living witness everywhere I go. And if it costs me money, I don't care. Money's just paper. And I've found that there's one that scatters abroad and never goes empty. And there's one that holds on to everything he has and he always comes to want. And I'm finding a mercy that exists in God that if your heart doesn't care about the money and if you see someone in need, you're just letting it go. He's going to make sure you're always replenished with more. Because he knows that your heart's his heart and he's letting that money flow. You want more money? It was never for you. Shucks. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's all stand.